How's it going? How are you doing today? Good to be back with you. I can't see a thing. I think we're going to turn the lights up. We're actually kind of preaching at the front, so switching things a little bit. Uh, for those of you that are high change, you're like, oh, cool, no big deal, awesome. For those of you who aren't high change, I uh, see you, I hear you. I uh, actually have a scripture for you. It switched over. There we go. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So, just so you know, there is something constant. There is something that you can hold on to. So, that's your verse for the rest of the time here. So, I get this big thing. So, I broke the, uh, the little thing that goes on my head. It doesn't fit very well, uh, so I'm, I'm holding this today. Uh, if you did not get a little Bible journal last week, raise your hand. We got some in the back. We'll pass those out. Also, if you need a pen, there's a box of pens back there. If I get some guys towards the back, anybody to hand those out. Uh, if you lost yours um, and need a replacement, give us five bucks. <laughs> Hang on to it. Write your name in it when you get it, uh, somewhere where we can see that. We, there are, were a few left up here last week and a few that, that got traded around. So uh, hopefully we can keep up with those. It's going to be for a while. So, uh, And write really small, by the way. Um, I noticed Ashley's book was already full. <sighs> so I don't know what we're going to do about that. Um, the other constant is that we're still in the Ephesians series, which we started last week, so I uh, haven't changed on you there either. So we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We've titled this series, uh, Love Incorruptible, from the last two words of the chapter, uh, and kind of to, to say this is where we're headed, this is what we, we want to be about by the time we finish this series, that we understand God's uh, incorruptible love for us, and we're able to share it with one another and with the world. So uh, if you still need a, a journal, didn't get one, you want one, uh, raise your hand and we'll make sure you get one. Need a pen, there's uh, a box of those available too. We're going to review just a little bit, uh, starting with chapter 1, verse 1. We read, if you want to open it up and follow along, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in, in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. We said the apostle Paul wrote this letter. Uh, he wrote it to a group of churches in Asia Minor, uh, which, of which Ephesus was the biggest, most well-known, but uh, most scholars believe that it wasn't written specifically to the church in Ephesus, but that that was a... Uh, a collective of, of churches that it was written to, almost such that if um, you were reading this in, in one of those churches, it was kind of meant for you to be able to just insert your church's name, your town uh, in that. So we can do that today. It's a very contemporary letter. There's not a lot of specific to like that region or 
or to that, that city that, that addresses a, a problem. Not that we can't learn from that, because we do in many of, other, many of Paul's other letters, but this one is just so general uh, in nature that we can just really insert uh, to, to the church uh, called Community Church. And so that's what we're going to do. And he, did, he wrote this so that he could teach basically these new believers what it meant to be in Christ. That theme comes up over and over again, and we want to under, underline it every time we see it as we go through and read, because it's the important, uh, the most important thing about what we're studying in Ephesus, that we understand and know that we are in Christ. And this was a big deal because this was a, uh, not just a uh, God's people, the, the, the Jewish people uh, understanding, but now the Gentiles were beginning to, to understand that they were a part of uh, God's chosen people as well. And that God created them to be basically a new society. He's working in them to do something completely different in the world with them. And so raising them up out of the culture that they're in to be kind of a, a, a new society uh, in, in this world. And that, that society is characterized by his incorruptible love. And so it's from him, it's to us, uh, it's given back to him from us, that, that love. It's shared with one another, and it's shared with the world. So our challenge then is to believe that truth that we are in Christ, to be able to live that truth uh, and live like we believe that truth, to proclaim it to the world, both in deed and in word, uh, to stand firm in the midst of a culture who says, eh, we don't really care, or we are, are diametrically opposed to uh, you, you being that way, and to, as we stand firm, w await the ultimate fulfillment of that reality that we are in Christ. So let's uh, read on. We, we covered a little bit of chapter, uh, of verse 3 last week, but we're going to hit on that some more this week. So we're going to read the rest of that now uh, as we continue. Uh, so not on the screen, but in your journal. Paul goes on to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. And that's where we'll stop today and, and focus in on. Uh, let's pray. God, as we um, encounter this beautiful, magnificent, uh, rich text that you have given to us to uh, show us who we are in you uh, and, and to inspire us to worship, may, may you just draw us close to you today. Just pull us in close to your heart, Jesus, and teach us, train us, correct us, rebuke us if necessary, but make us understand and be able to live in light of that truth. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what, what gets you excited as an individual? What, what do you really like enjoy, get passionate about? Like if somebody starts talking about it, you're really into the conversation. Like if we go to Chewy's tonight after church uh, and, 
and we start talking about, you know, what topic would, might come up that you, would cause you to put your fajita down and just really, like, a sparkle in your eye, you're engaged in what we're talking about now. Like, what is that for you? Think about that. Uh, a, a lot of us have things that we just kind of, I mean, that's our thing. We're, we're really passionate about. We, we kind of nerd out on certain things. And, and, and that just means that, like, not everybody's really interested in that. Like, originally... I had, as kind of an intro tonight, a basketball illustration. Well, God, you know, graciously kind of let me go through that and took that away, and, that, and that's fine. And, and it's probably for the best because probably a lot of you would have been like, eh, I don't really care. I don't really even know who Hamadou Diallo is and that today is the NBA All-Star game. Doesn't mean anything to me. So you would have been like, ah, we'll just be nice and smile and, and nod and play along with Scott, and that's okay. Uh, and I would have appreciated it. But what, what, what is your topic? What's, what's that like that for you? I, I really enjoy, like, talking about basketball. I enjoy talking about church. I enjoy uh, a few other things as well, but those two probably <laughs> at the top of my list. If those things come up, we're going to talk about it. You know, if, if you want to talk at Chewy's tonight about the, the Tennessee-Kentucky game, I'd love to. Okay? was a great game. Um, but if you don't, then I'll listen to you because I also enjoy when other people are passionate about stuff. I enjoy hearing what you're passionate about. I ended up uh, after a basketball game last year uh, with a group of parents and kids. We were eating uh, at El Phoenix uh, up in uh, Dallas. Mexican food theme tonight. Sorry. You're all like tuning in to like, where are we going to go eat tonight now? Um, but uh, I ended up across from this guy. I didn't know him that well, uh, and we started, you know, just small talk and come to find out, uh, like, where he works. Uh, he's an executive with a company that builds highways. And so I started to ask him questions about building roads, stuff I was curious about and interested in genuinely. Uh, and, and he, you know, was definitely interested in it and talking about it. And, and at some point in the conversation, it was obvious that he was kind of like, Getting a little uncomfortable because, and then he's paused and said, "You know, I I don't think I've ever talked to anybody outside of the office this much about roads before." And I was like, "Okay, I'll take that as a compliment," because uh, I was enjoying the conversation. So, what is it that, like, you know, you you really enjoy talking about? We're going to see what Paul enjoyed talking about in a second. Um, before, before I go on, though, uh, this you know hit me. Um, in, in some very particular ways uh, today, because a lot of you know that uh, today marks three years since our uh, brother and our uh, devoted, faithful elder, Brock Faulkner, went to be with Jesus. And so we're remembering him and thinking about him in a special way today. Um, as I know, um, Brittany and, and the kids are. And so... Um, I want to say some more about that. Before I go on, though, I just want us to pray over them. And if that's okay with you, if you think it's weird to stop in the middle of a sermon and pray over people, then you're probably in the wrong church. So that's okay. So Thad's going to lead us in a prayer. If you would just pray with him as we pray. Yeah, you can get around uh, Brittany and the kids, put a hand on them, and let's pray over them. So one of the, the last things that 
Brock did uh, as he ministered to this church was lead a study uh, on Ephesians. So I'm uh, pretty confident that he's really liking what we're doing right now and uh, probably would uh, have some really good stuff to say about it. Um, we've all, I mean, most of us have some, uh, some great memories of Brock. Uh, one of them popped up today in the form of a text from Amy, a picture of uh, Brock with that's three of my kids in there. Uh, little Sir Kate is hidden behind Andrew there and Aiden on the back of the pickup truck. Uh, Andrew and Aiden kind of have a hair growing war going on there, I guess. Um, and Brock is probably scratching his, like, you know, these kids need to cut their hair. Uh, but they're out learning about cotton. Um, one of Brock's passions, one of the things that he would love to talk about. And it was really cool, Amy, I didn't tell you this, but I was, I was actually writing this very part of, I was adding this part of uh, what I was going to talk about today when, when that text came through. So I knew immediately, basketball illustration out, <laughs> Brock in. Okay, so um, was it was a no-brainer there. Um, but and I remember, and some of you probably uh, have similar experiences, uh, sitting around talking with Brock about some of this, these things that he was passionate about. Uh, whether it was uh, dust in Colorado or pistachios in California or cotton in the Brazos Valley or John Deere tractors of any kind. Uh, we could talk about that stuff forever and Brock could just, you know, keep going. And it was so interesting. But it would always come around in the conversation to like some kind of apology or thank you for letting me go on and on about this nerd stuff that I'm into. And I would be like, no, I, I, I'm enjoying this. This is great. I'd have to convince him of that. But he really enjoyed uh, being able to, to talk about those things. Um, he also really loved the gospel of Jesus, and he really loved Jesus. And so uh, I think Ephesians was an appropriate book for him to study and to, to, uh, to study with people. Um, so, uh, as we read Ephesians, I know, uh, deep breath dries, okay, uh, we're gonna, gonna keep going in this, but, um, as we read Ephesians and we see how Paul was so into what he's talking about, so, uh, excited to share with us about, uh, the gospel of the Christ that he had come to know uh, from being an enemy of it to now being used as uh, the Apostle Paul. So in verses 3 through 6, as we look at this, we've, we encounter um, this kind of this pinnacle of Paul's ministry in many ways because uh, as scholars look at this text, and we talked about this last week, uh, but um, they call it things like the crown of Paul's theology, the consummate and most comprehensive statement of the meaning of Christianity, 
Another one says it's the divinest composition of man and the most influential document in history. There is so much good stuff theologically and practically in the, the letter to the, to the Ephesians. Uh, and it's apparent right away that Paul uh, is, is excited about this and he's excited about sharing uh, uh, just praise and worship with the hearers of this letter. And what Paul has done is basically call us out and into a deeper love relationship with Jesus. This is an invitation. Ephesians is an invitation to, to you to fall in love with Jesus all over again. And so that's what we hope to do. Uh, it, I, I, I really think it's one of this passage that we're going to look at today, and, and we're only going to look at three verses of it, but the, the whole passage, and, and we'll read it here in just a second, I, I really think is one of the best things that you'll find in Scripture. Uh, I think I said last week, if, if I could only have like one uh, book of the Bible to, to kind of take with me, uh, it would be Ephesians. And I think if I narrowed it down to just this passage, if that's all I could have, I mean, that would be good stuff. And hopefully we'll see that. So we need to read verses 3 through 6, which is what we're studying today, in the context of the rest of this passage, which is 7 through 14. And the reason why we need to do that is because what we have here is one long sentence from verse 3 through verse 14. Now look at that in, if you've got your, your journal with you there. I mean, just in, in just sheer, like, like that's a lot of space. And in the Greek, that is one sentence. It's not divided up by the periods and the, the, the paragraphs that we have here. Uh, the, the writers, uh, the, the editors of uh, most of our versions that we have uh, unless you've got like a literal version um, that, that just kind of spells it out in, in the Greek and sometimes it's hard to understand as a result of that. But uh, most of our versions just couldn't take it. Like they had to put some periods in. They had to stop somewhere and they had to make a paragraph start somewhere else. So uh, that's what we have here in the ESV. But really, what this is in the Greek is one long sentence. It's as if Paul just kind of came and said, I've got like so much praise, I just can't stop. And he just went on and on and on with what he was saying. Somebody called it this sentence, the most monstrous sentence conglomeration that I have ever found in the Greek language. And so this is a big chunk, like a big unusual chunk in Scripture that we don't see uh, very many other places. And what it is, is actually a prayer. Remember I said, uh, when, when you wrote a letter back then, you, you said, you know, who you were, then you said who you're writing to, uh, and then you gave some sort of greeting, and then some sort of prayer or wish for the people that you're writing to before you ever got to the body of the letter. Well, this is what this is for, for Paul here. This is his prayer or his wish for the people. And, and what it is, is, it's a prayer, but it's a song. And uh, a lot of people think that this was uh, something that was actually used as a doxology in the early church, that, that they sang this and they recited it as a part of worship. And so that's what this became. Uh, and and uh, it, it's because it started as worship. Uh, it's, it's about worship. That's what we're going to talk about today. And Paul has uh, just called us to worship right here at the beginning of Ephesians. He set the stage for what 
what he's about and what this uh, whole study, what this whole letter is going to be about. So I think it's appropriate that we kind of stop and ask ourselves, like, how, how has your worship been lately? How has my worship been like? What, um, is that something that's, that's just flowing uh, out of my heart? Or has it been tough lately? Uh, I mean, both what we do in here, as we call this time worship, as well as just your life, like what, what you're doing uh, on your own to worship in, in the various ways that you see that. And God wants you to see that. Um, could it use some help? If it can, then I, I, I think Paul's going to provide some of that. Uh, maybe it needs like a jolt. Maybe it needs just, maybe you, it's been pretty nil lately. Uh, and, and it needs to be revived. But you say, well, I got this going on. And what about, I got these deep questions I need answered and uh, or, or this stuff is just you know kind of invading my life and it's hard I've got grace for you on this I'm not sure as much grace that Paul has I'm not sure how much he would have for you in this area because I want to remind you that he's writing this stuff from prison so uh, he knows about bad circumstances right and yet he's saying it doesn't matter how bad your circumstances are. It doesn't matter how bad the things are around you that you can't control. From prison, he can praise and worship the Lord. And so that's what he's doing for us here. So um, as we read, um, we're going to read. I don't have it on the screen. So we're going to read straight out of here. So please follow along. We're just going to go through. Uh, this this whole little section here, just so we have the context. Uh, and uh, I won't be able to read it in one breath. Uh, but I want you to imagine Paul just kind of like just excited sharing this. Uh, maybe you've got a kid or maybe you've talked to somebody that's just really been excited about something. It's like they just start talking and they, they don't stop. And you, they're, they're just like so excited about whatever it is that they're saying. It's like, are you going to ever breathe? Because I, I don't get to respond because you don't stop talking. But it, it, I can tell you're really excited about it. I mean, just imagine Paul sharing this in this way. When he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fulfillment of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Paul is singing this to the Lord and to us. It's worship. And he's calling us to praise. When he starts off 
and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worshipped, praised. He's saying, you deserve this. You should be praised. You are worthy of it. And um, he, calls, he calls God Father. Early Christians started to call God Father because, uh, I mean, that hadn't been done before, but it was because we p- patterned that uh, connection to God uh, after Jesus, who, who spoke Abba, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so uh, that's going to take on some significance even more when we get to uh, some election stuff. And, and So why do we worship? The first reason is because he's blessed us as we go on in this passage. Um, the one that is blessed, that should be blessed, that's worthy of, of, of blessing, worship, has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has blessed us. We're the recipients of that blessing. That's one of the, I mean, that, we could stop there, but uh, that, there's so much more. There's seven of these things uh, as to why we should worship God. But he has blessed us. He's given us blessing. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly, heavenly places, it's the, the idea here is that there's a continual flow of blessing happening. And we, we have a hard time fully understanding this because it's in the heavenly places, right? I mean, this is consistent with what Jesus talked about when he told us to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven, not on earth. And so it's as if the, the, there's some kind of storage room or some kind of thing going on in heaven where, um, where, where you're not there in the same way that, that, that people are there. Like Brock is getting those blessings right now and realizing them in some powerful and some significant ways. And, and yet there, maybe there's like an empty chair that's got your name on it, Buck, and, and, and the role is called every day. And, uh, and, and we see that, that Buck's chair is empty. And so maybe Brock or maybe, maybe an angel or maybe Jesus says, okay, that's all right. Here's one of, here's one of these blessings that I got for, for Buck. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to set it right here. It's like it's being stored up. And, 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 and yet it's ours. It's got our name on it. It's there for you. And so that's what he's saying when he says uh, that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, it's that already not yet tension that we live with as believers, where we're citizens of heaven, but we're still here. Verse 4 goes on to say, even as he chose us, it was God's idea. It wasn't our idea. God chose us. God chose you. And, And the us means that this was a big deal because it included the Gentiles now they, God's chosen people, it wasn't just Israel. And, and we get to be included in that. The other thing that's important about this is that it's plural. Now, this is where we kind of start to maybe go off on a tangent, which we're not going to do today as we talk about the doctrine of election. Uh, that's not the point of what Paul is talking about here. It, again, the point is worship. Uh, he goes on in great detail about election and predestination in Romans 9 through 11, if you want to, you know, get more from that. But that's not what we're, we're not going to go there uh, in, in detail. And, and to recognize that when he's talking about it here, 
because uh, everybody wants to get caught up in kind of the negative side of election or predestination. Like, what does that mean for those who aren't? Well, um, he's talking about those who are, and he's talking about it in a plural sense of us as the church. So it's not even in this particular passage, it's not really talking about individuals. So let's not get sidetracked there. And, and if I just gave you that sidetrack to, to run with, sorry, um, we can talk about it later. But um, there is a paradox, obviously, in Scripture, uh, and there is a mystery, and there's a lot of mystery in this particular passage. There's the mystery of the Trinity is really revealed in some significant ways. You know, we don't have, like, the Trinity's not, like, specifically talked about in the Bible. You know that, right? That's something that we've gathered from the teachings of the New Testament, and even some from the Old, that, uh, that we have understood and, uh, and rightly so, become comfortable with a, a doctrine of the Trinity. There's a lot of mystery there still, though. Uh, but in this passage, it talks about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So that's an important part of, of, um, of our theology that is mysterious. There's a lot of mystery about how uh, humanity, um, how, how God can love humanity and and yet uh, give us this ability to choose not to worship him uh, and how that relates to our individual salvation and all this uh, with uh, election and predestination. So there's a paradox of free will and election in the New Testament, but the New Testament itself seems kind of comfortable with leaving it at a mystery. So I think we can be okay there too. The Bible is really a lot about election. There's a lot of election in the Bible. God chose Israel. Uh, God, Jesus chose 12 disciples. So uh, the, the main thing here, I think, is, is to, to not get too caught up in that and to not be arrogant about the fact that God has chosen you, that you're a part of that if, if you know yourself to be a Christ follower. Something happens, though, so in, in some of that theology where arrogance creeps in and it's kind of ugly. Um, but it, what it really should do is spur us on toward obedience and, and to, to worship. And, and just keep this in mind with any of these kind of mysterious and thing, uh, uh, theological topics in Scripture that we want to try to figure out. It's not to say that we're not supposed to keep trying and keep pursuing, but that's the beauty of the mystery. And that, that God can do whatever he wants, Right? He's God, and we're not. So if you can have that umbrella over everything, then, then you can then work back into some of this stuff in a healthier way. All right, so he, when did he choose us? Well he, uh, well, he chose us in him before, and that's that in Christ again, so that would be a good one to underline, um, before the foundation of the world. This is the predestination part. It was always his idea. He, he had this in mind from the beginning. Uh, again, the context is, is plural. It's, it's about the church, about God's people. This is that eternity to eternity thing uh, that uh, from before the beginning of time to the end of time, right? God's at work in this. God's got this figured out. Why? Why did he choose us? So that we should be holy and blameless before him. He saved us for holiness. He has, um, he's brought us in to be holy. The Old Testament sacrificial system 
involved a, a unblemished lamb, uh, unblemished sacrifices. Jesus then became that for us. And now we are what? In Christ. So we are a part of that holy, unblemished, blameless sacrifice to God. And that sacrifice of worship that Romans 12 talks about. Because we're in him. What we've got to do now is seek to live in that reality. We've, we've got to figure out what, what that's supposed to actually look like in my day-to-day life. And how, how do I apply that? How do I carry that out? Uh, and if you're not willing to engage in some level of evaluation about the holiness spectrum of your life, then something's wrong as, as a Christian. Uh, we've got to be willing to talk about that stuff. We've got, it's got to be up for debate, like, are we pursuing holiness? And I think this would be a good topic for Com Group this week, and that's probably where we'll go with it. Verse 5 says that in love, in love, he predestined us for adoption. Now, in love can go with verse 5, or it can go with verse 4. They're not real sure. Some versions will have it that the, the sentence kind of ending in love with verse 4, and some in love he predestined us for adoption to himself. It doesn't really matter. It fits both places. But we know the important thing is, is another reason that we worship God is uh, not only uh, said that already, he chose us, but he also that he loves us. So we're to point three on this uh, from an understanding of how we respond to God. Well, God, you, uh, you not only um, chose me, but you love me. You, there's, there's something intimately connected uh, to, to me and to you that, that you, you desire. Um, and, and that love is consistent with who he is because God is love. And so he's just acting out of love as he chooses us. And as he predestines us, which another reason is to, to worship is that he created us. Uh, he thought of us. He thought ahead of time to do this, uh, to call people to himself. Speaks to God's sovereignty. Some more of the, the, the ologies of, of this particular passage where we get into uh, some really good stuff with um, knowing about how God acts in, in Jesus. But God is over everything, and he's working the way he wants to work in the world, in the universe, and in our particular lives. And he, uh, verse 5, predestined us for what? For adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus. So he adopted us and he saved us through Jesus. We were created for a perfect life in him. Fellowship with the Father that got messed up by sin, right? And Jesus comes on the scene to restore that fellowship uh, on the cross, bring us back into the family. Adoption seems to be pretty much the best way to describe what's happening here. Uh, Remember that we call him Abba Father, right? We get to call him that. 
daddy. Uh, we're part of the family. We have now been adopted into the family in such a way that we, we have all the rights and privileges of uh, any of the other kids. And, and it's important to know that not just that relationship now uh, is in effect, but the relationship with one another. Because as we're adopted into God's family, we're adopted, we get a whole bunch of brothers and sisters to go with it. And that's pretty cool and has implications. Uh, Ban, you can come on up as we finish out with verse 6. And this uh, appropriate uh, time for the band to come up because it says, To the praise of his glorious grace. It blessed God to adopt us. And it blessed him to adopt us so that we could praise him. So that we could say how glorious he is. How wonderful he is. Remember the Ephesian culture we talked about last week? Uh, there's a lot of other worship going on. Okay? They're, they're worshiping the emperor. And they're worship, worshiping the Roman goddess Diana. Uh, and, and that's the big deal of their, their culture. And so to, to say we're, we're going to worship God uh, in, in this way ran counter to everything that, that this area was about. They actually had idols uh, that, that they used as a part of their worship uh, for, for Diana. They built a huge uh, building, bigger than the Parthenon, uh, to worship her in. We don't necessarily do that kind of stuff, but we have idols today. We have things that we put in the way of God, things that we put before uh, God in our lives. And we say we... We worship that stuff. We worship our time or our entertainment or uh, our stuff. Uh, and, and we put it before God. Our opinions. Maybe even our theology. But we've got to look at that and say, have we put something before God? He's blessed us to be able to worship. And so the final thing uh, that he ends with is in that blessing, he's blessed us in the beloved. And he uses that term as just a little bit more uh, intimate term to remind us how loved we are by one who is so full of love. So as we apply this stuff, and we're going to talk about some more before we leave today after announcements, but... There's really only one appropriate application for this, and this is why we uh, kind of flipped the service a little bit, and that's, that's that we need to worship God. Now, as I said before, this isn't the only way that we worship God, but this is one way, and this is the way right now. And so for the next 20 minutes or so or whatever, we're, we're, we're going to sing, and that's going to be our worship. We're going to take communion together and that's going to be that remembrance of, of Jesus the, the body and the blood of Jesus uh, is going to be part of our worship today would you say what well, you know what about this I've got I, I, I don't know if I can get there yes you can yes you can because that's who you are that's who you've been created to be God has saved you God has chosen you God has predestined you to worship him and that's what we're going to do right now. So take advantage of this opportunity to sing, to worship about the greatness of our God.